0: Hey, everyone. You're listening to Hotel Vicarious, a podcast where two best friends talk about all of their favorite TV shows and movies. This week, we begin season two of Bridgerton.
1: You? hi jenny welcome back listener we have finally arrived the carriage has taken us to mayfair grosvenor square and we are here in bridgerton land <laughs> do you know that <laughs> when they're riding the
0: horses and she's like i'm off to mayfair i was like where the fuck is Mayfair?
1: <laughs> it took me a minute to be like, oh, yeah 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 yeah, 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 Daria, we need to get you reading a lot more Regency romance, okay? I'm, I, if I didn't read it in a Jane Austen novel like 15 years ago, I don't – I got nothing. I'm, I know. We're going to – I'm going to make you a definitive list of <laughs> books that you need to read and then you will know all the lingo and you will be fine. Oh gosh! gosh. Uh, Okay, so we did it. We watched the season. Jenny, tell everyone how quickly you watched season two. Um, I don't like. I probably like you know, uh, like eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: Did you sit down, turn it on, and then just that's it? You finished it one sitting?
1: Yeah. No, I. What did you do, like go to the bathroom once? Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) No, I did take a break between, I think, episode... I took a break between six and seven, and then I finished seven and eight. How did you do that? Children.
0: Oh, well, that's fair. (laughs) It was forced. It was forced forced, upon me. Forced break, yes.
1: But, yeah, I just kind of... That's what I did. I just watched it all, and it was magical and I loved every single minute of it um even the parts that you didn't love yeah there was not much that I didn't love though (laughs) to be no to be quite honest I thought there would be more that I wouldn't like I thought I would agree more with the discourse that I see but I didn't I really I felt like everything happened Perhaps how it's supposed to? I, again, to preface for, uh, you know, yeah who's
0: listening, I haven't read the book. So mm-hmm. I haven't read any of the books. I have generally right. no previous knowledge. So for me, the discourse was like, eh. eh. Right. There's one thing that we'll talk about as we, like, go on that, like, I – mostly just don't know what it means for future seasons.
1: Yes. I Okay. I would agree.
0: Like, and I wonder if they might've plotted themselves into a little bit of a corner.
1: Yeah, no, there are things, sorry, I guess I should, there is nothing in the show that was in, there's nothing that was, that's not in the show that was in the book that I'm like, Oh, I don't like this show anymore because they didn't put this in the show. I think it was <laughs> very well adapted. I really yeah. do. I have, Issues with a, a couple of things that they've done in terms of what it means. Like you said, going forward, um, in terms of the character, like a couple of the characters, I feel, are a bit different than I would have imagined them, even in the adaptation. Yeah. But even, like, even, even still, like, I, I still understood it and liked it because at the end of the day at the last episode everything is how I wanted it to be so
0: yeah yeah I mean I think overall season two was so much fun I was watching the show sometimes behind like a full, yeah, face full of my hands because it was like absolutely. I was either way too giddy or way too horrified, and like all of the best ways. I thought you were
1: gonna say are way too horny, and I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> Notice she did not say no. Okay, <laughs> I think we'll get to those moments later,
0: mm-hmm. Jennifer. But also, like leagues better than season one. No offense to you know the lovely folks at Netflix, but season two blew season one out of the water for
1: me. Yeah, no sophomore slump.
0: Not for even Bridgerton. a little bit, and I'm so mm-hmm. happy because that's always mm-hmm. a fear. You know, you always go back to a show you love,
1: and then the second season is costumes were better, and I don't want to. Okay, me, I'm gonna pref. I don't want to say better. Costumes were elevated. Elevated. Dialogue was tighter. Yeah. Characters felt more authentic. Mm-hmm. The whole thing just had. A richness to it that I think we only scraped the surface of in season one. or Whereas in season two, it's almost like in season one, we had the soft pastel colors of Daphne Bridgerton throughout Mm -hmm. the whole season. And season two gave us the rich jewel tones of Kate Sharma.
0: Yes. Yes. I think that's a really good uh way to put it and I think we can definitely talk more about the way Daphne and and Kate and even Edwina have retreated in terms of their kind of like main character like female love interest arcs I think that's sure something we should definitely hit on because I think they definitely infantilized Daphne so much more in season one and they thankfully didn't actually do that to Kate and Edwina,
1: I feel. Yeah. And actually, I have to say, one of my favorite characters in season two, Daphne Bridgerton. Yes. Absolutely. She yes. makes a great wing woman. She, She's real good. She was
0: so fun in season two. So yeah, to me, such a massive, massive improvement on a show I already loved. So that's saying Yeah, don't think, get so us same. wrong. Like we yeah. we
1: loved season one. Um we really did, but wow just like expectations laid and expectations catapulted over by yeah, the end far of season exceeded, two. far 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 exceeded. Yeah. Oh my god, there's so many like sometimes i just think about certain scenes or like certain things that are said and i'm just like <sighs> <laughs> So uh for those of you listening right
0: now, we're going to kind of talk about Bridgerton in in, in chunks like We're going to – in tonight's episode, we're going to talk about episodes one, two, and three. Next week, we'll talk about four, five, and six. And then we'll finish up with episodes seven and eight and our final thoughts. Yes. I I think this is probably just the best way to do it. And thankfully, Netflix sort of – you know, carved out their episode arcs exactly the way we planned to cover them.
1: I feel like that was a gift to us to make up for the fact that they released The Last Kingdom before Bridgerton.
0: (laughs) They're like, we're going to make this real easy on you so you can move
1: on. Sorry,
0: guys.
1: (laughs) We want you to get to Bridgerton. but We want you to get to The Last Kingdom. (sighs)
0: And you know, there's... A lot to talk about in the first three episodes. Like, talk about hitting your conflict and your motivation and all of those, like, little plot
1: points real fast. Sometimes in the first three episodes, I would be like, oh my god, I can't believe this episode is almost over. And it would be like 21 minutes in. And I was like, how has there only been 21 minutes? I was like, so much has happened. I would consistently pause about 30
0: minutes in and go, oh, we're only halfway. Every time. It was like I was watching an hour and a half episode, but like in a good way. Yeah. It was just chock full of stuff happening and happening and happening and happening. There was no filler. Actually, we probably could have used filler. (laughs) We probably could use 10 episodes a season. Just, I'm just saying.
1: No, and I I do have thoughts on that, which we will get to in... (laughs) um our third part yeah. when we when we do our wrap-up we do episode seven eight and the wrap-up i do believe that covid <laughs> did play a part in giving us a little bit of a truncated ending um due to the fact that there was a lot of covid issues um on set at the end yeah i think they shut down right? a
0: few times right
1: at least twice if not more <laughs> Crazy. so i mean when you have massive casts like this I think mm-hmm. it's just something that you're gonna have to figure out and I think for the most part they did a pretty good job
0: uh, yeah to me nothing was really like obvious no in terms of you know plotting I just wanted more
1: yeah 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 and that's what I mean I just think I think there could have been I think the last couple of episodes could have been stretched out a little bit longer yes but that's purely from a selfish kate and anthony lover perspective i was gonna say
0: the only episode i wanted to be shorter was the wedding episode because i was fucking mortified the entire time
1: oh so much secondhand embarrassment (laughs) it was too too much it was uh, i mean too too much in a good way because it was so terrible but like at the same time i loved it ate it all up poor heart my poor heart could not take it i know i know (laughs) i know Okay. So episode one. It's been about a year since they left Grosvenor Square and things are looking a little bit different. (laughs) And by that, I mean, there's a lot less sideburns.
0: (laughs) Yes. All of the Bridgerton boys went to the barber and got a nice little shape up.
1: They didn't, except Colin, who clearly ran out halfway through.
0: I don't want to talk about
1: it. <laughs> I mean, thank God the goatee did not last more than <laughs> like an episode. I know. Because woof. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, no, uh, they are looking a spippy. Real good. I also really loved that the episode opened exactly the same as episode one of season one. Yes. when they're getting ready for Eloise's debut into society and her presentation to Queen Charlotte. And and you knew, you know, you, you saw Eloise in the first season where she's just like, like, I am not having this. Daphne, let's go. Come on. And now in, the, in this season, she's just like an absolute wreck. She is...
0: Uh amped up to like 15 all season long and it starts with this and Mm -hmm. i mean listen i get it if i was supposed to present myself to the queen and she required me to wear a stupid fucking four foot tall feather on my head i think i would be in shambles too but damn girl (laughs) no you didn't uh wow for those who cannot see which is everyone listening except for me. Jenny <laughs> just put a goddamn feather in her hair. She just whipped out a like three foot tall feather
1: out of nowhere and just put it in her hair. Oh no, it fell over. Oh no, I found these in my historical reenactment stuff. Sure. In the basement. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna pull these out. So I'm wearing it just for you, Daria. They're very much like Eloise in this moment.
0: Right? So
1: terrible. They're very itchy too. Well, I just, I
0: do think it's funny, right? And like, maybe this is digging in a little too deep, but the women didn't have to all wear the same thing last season, but they did this season, which I think is a nice tell that the queen is starting to just, there's like aspects of her that are becoming a little bit more unhinged than they usually are yeah and i think it's a very good intro to the queen's arc this season which maybe she's not everyone's favorite but i love the queen i love every weird ass bogus thing that comes out of her mouth
1: i love her no she's great i she was i thought she was so much better this season yes. than last season even last season she was kind of just like the sort of omnipotent is that the right word yeah. Yeah, omnipotent figure that's just kind of there and everyone's kind of like, Oh, but you know, but this I found she was very much like a real actual character.
0: Yeah, I think she had one humanizing moment in season one, and I think season two was all about building off of that moment
1: mm-hmm. and getting to
0: see sort of like the cracks in in her facade, and so that yeah. was is, was like a joy to watch.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it really was. <laughs> But as everyone is gearing up for their presentation to the Queen, Lady Whistledown pops in at precisely the right moment, which is incredible. Like, I cannot believe the Queen was like, All right, fuck off, everybody. (laughs) I gotta read my gossip
1: column. Get out. Like, do you think, question for you? Do you think that was an intentional distribution? Absolutely. Because Penelope knew that Eloise did not want to do her presentation.
0: Well, you know, I was thinking that it might have been really perfectly timed, but either way, I do think that Penelope was like, I'm going to interrupt everything, like no matter yeah. who
1: is going. Right, right, right. Um,
0: and Yeah, I do think that was a very deliberate attack on the queen.
1: Mm-hmm oh yeah for sure I just was wondering like maybe it was her like I feel like sometimes like the the reason that Penelope does started Whistle Down and like why she continues it a lot of it is like her love letter to Eloise I was literally just gonna say the words it's her love letter you know and to to like how society kind of like they've always kind of been on the outside right both her and eloise and so unfortunately you know we see it kind of starts to unravel and you know in penelope's face a little bit um but i think it does i think it i think it totally is like it was started because not just selfishly do you know what i mean like i i don't Mm -hmm. believe that she started it selfishly i feel like it was started kind of for for eloise in a way you know so i don't know it's just just a thought that i had no
0: i truly do feel like this is her way of connecting with eloise even if she can't be (laughs) obvious about it
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i i do feel that
0: for Mm -hmm. sure
1: yeah um and then actually speaking of penelope then we get this great moment where we actually get to see lady whistle down in action yes
0: which I am so surprised that they lifted the curtain even more this season. Like because I do know that you don't find out about Whistledown until what book four or five? Yeah, book four. Book four, yeah. So and and obviously again when we talk about adapting books, different mediums call for different types of storytelling. Like for sure. Letting the audience know who Whistledown is is an amazing way to build tension. (laughs) Like on a TV show or a movie. You can't you can do things differently in a book. You can't do that on TV. Um
1: yeah, I and I am
0: really surprised that we got to see like the nitty-gritty of how she she gets everything going.
1: And I, I think also it's a really great way to make Penelope a main character by yeah. by getting people to slowly start to love her. If you didn't already right from the beginning it's a great way for them to slowly build up the, the build up the personality and the humanity of Penelope Featherington and, um, Instead of just like dumping her into um, as the main character of book four, yeah, which um, which is what happens in the book. But again, like you said, that works in romance novels, romance novel series. That happens. You may yeah. you may see you may see the couple from book one in book two for a moment or two, but like that's it. It's just that's what you come into. But you can't do that in TV because no one would watch it. <laughs> Well, right, because you have to sort of build up that that um, familiarity with the character, yes, and like absolutely. you said, either get them
0: to fall in love with them or get them to hate them. It's exactly. like exactly you do yes. sort of have to give you something where the reveal, you know, feels like it's been earned.
1: Yes, exactly. Now you had wanted to talk about Nicola Coughlin getting to what an
0: incredibly talented little nugget.
1: I, I mean, know. I just.
0: I really genuinely have such affection for her. I think she's so talented and so beautiful, and like her real life fashion is just killer. Oh god, I know. But I there's something so fun to me about letting an actor use their natural accent, but in a way where they're pretending to do it. It is just so silly and meta, and I loved it. I loved it. Which is so
1: funny. It was awesome. Because that's what happens in The Last Kingdom as well. Yeah. <laughs> because Mark Rowley gets to pretend to be Scottish, and he is yeah. Scottish. And it was really funny to see both of those things happen, and I was just like, oh, I like this. I know. I'm like, did you guys talk? Did you yeah. have a chat? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. Uh. So <coughs> Eloise's presentation has been thrown to the wayside. The Queen is done. She's Annoyed by Whistledown having interrupted her big moment. Um, and so now we have the very first ball, right? Is that how it works? Uh yes. No, cut that out. It's not, it's not. Yeah.
0: It's um, not. it's it's so as everyone is captured by Lady Whistledown, Daphne turns to Anthony and is like, Good luck, bro. You're gonna fucking need it. And yeah. it sort of <laughs> Him. <laughs> this is where Daphne like really starts to just be one of my faves of the season. Yes, she um, really is. Like basically take a drink for any time a character put, puts Anthony in his place. And that's what <laughs> I, like, that's all I need from this season. Yeah. As long as I love my big eared bae, I love when people make fun of him. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But he's like, no, listen, I got this. I have research on every like eligible woman in the ton and I'm going to interview them and I'm going to figure out who's going to make the best partner and it's like okay well we're clearly not looking for a love match his affair with Sienna I guess ruined his life and he's like I will never love again so why even bother and he's looking for basically like a hot nanny
1: right good childbearing hips kind of not totally dumb yeah you know, like that's can she <laughs> read and
0: can she write and will she produce
1: me children? That's all that's all he's looking for. right exactly. uh, yeah, and it is i love this is one of the i I feel like there's not a ton of montages in this sh- in this season um, you know, clothed or otherwise. but this montage I particularly love, which yes. is when he is going from like house to house. Meeting these potential wives, and he's just like miserable and like so tired <laughs> of every single one of them.
0: And it's like such a shame because most of these women are probably lovely, but they've been raised yeah. to only, you know, focus on a few things like how well they can play the pianoforte. How well they can um, do...
1: What's the... Needle embroider? Yes.
0: Needlepoint. I was going to say macrame. (laughs) The little little boho ladies of the time. 1970s Bridgerton. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's a damn shame. And like, I think about uh, Penelope pretending to be the Irish maid and how funny and mouthy and ballsy she is. Yeah. And it's just... The dichotomy of the way that, you know, some of the not royal or not titled women have to behave versus the maids and the um, seamstresses and, like, all of those people. It's- yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, Anthony's having a really bad time. And, he's-, <laughs> and- <laughs> he's tired. Like, it's such a physical act for him. He's that- so
1: tired. He's, like, he's- on his horse. He's just, like... He's like, no,
0: I gotta, I need a nap. I need a nap. And then yeah. he gets da, da, a woman in a cloak racing across the park on horseback early, early in the morning. Yes. And oh. he's like, oh, what's what's going on here? Maybe I should be worried. And he's like, hmm, and he follows after her. And no, it's just Kate Motherfucking Sharma. Yeah, <laughs> racing across the park. For funsies. Being the badass bitch that she is. And like, I get a little nervous because they immediately sort of portray her as this like not like other girls trope. True. In the very beginning. And I'm just Uh like, oh, it's not their fault
1: that they're not cool. It's society's fault that they're not cool. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Exactly.
0: Yeah. But as we get to know Kate she buys into all of it just as much as all the other ladies do. She just is put in a different position. So I do like that even though she can ride and she can hunt and she can ride, not side saddle and all of these things. um, Yeah. She still wants to dance. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Shit. Um, (laughs) She still (laughs) knows all of the dances and knows how to speak all the languages and like does that. I mean like she, she still fits that mold. So And she has,
1: like, very much taught her sister to be even better at all of those things than herself. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but yeah, he
0: immediately sees this hot babe on a horse.
1: And is like, well, that's it. That's my wife. And then she basically is, like, uh, challenges him to a race and then absolutely smokes him. Yep. So great and leaves him literally in her own dust. <laughs>
0: it's incredible. And it's like uh f- literally and figuratively because she he can't say anything that impresses her. She's just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right,
1: gotta go by. Yeah. I know your type. I know what you're about. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Oh, she's so great. She's so I love Kate Sharma so much. <laughs> I just love her.
0: Well, aren't you the firstborn daughter? I am. So am I. That's why.
1: Yeah. Eldest I actually daughters said, unite. <laughs> yeah, eldest daughter I actually said to a friend of mine, um, and I'll talk, uh, maybe I'll mention it in when we do our episode six one, but I was saying, you know, I was like, I feel like I'm having a lot of, like, eldest daughter syndrome, like, projection onto this episode. And she was like, I'm having a lot of youngest daughter projection onto this episode. She goes, we are both fucked. (laughs) So funny. I do
0: love the introduction to the Sharma women because... yes. You know, we get the Bridgertons, we get the Featheringtons, and now we're getting the Sharmas. And they are just as important a family dynamic as the other ones we've been introduced to in season one. So Mm -hmm. we meet Kate, we meet Edwina, and we meet Mary. And so what we learn almost immediately is that Edwina and Kate are actually half-sisters. Yes. They have the same father, but they have a different mother. And Kate's Mm -hmm. mother has passed. Um, And I'm like immediately enamored with Lady Mary for adopting Kate into her family and like treating her like her own. Like from the get go, (sighs) you can see that relationship between the three of them. And I'm like, all right, Lady Mary, you're. You're up there for me with all the other badass moms. I
1: know there Seriously. are
0: some badass moms in this show. That is all the
1: moms are freaking phenomenal. <laughs> okay, like I just, oh, I love them so much. Um, yeah. So we see the Sharmas are in London, and they're being sponsored by Lady Danbury, who, um. I guess knows Mary from back when they were young women um, and they were, they were, you know, in the, the marriage mart together way back in the day. Um, And so Lady Danbury has (coughs) agreed to sponsor the Sharmas uh, for the season and give them sort of, you know, um, Help, help Edwina find a husband because Kate, uh, at the ripe age of 26, uh, is now considered an old maid or a spinster. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and uh, she doesn't, <coughs> she doesn't um, really see herself, like, she's not looking to, to, to find a husband, Like, that's not Kate's. Kate's mission is to find Edwina a husband. (laughs) Yeah, she has
0: pretty much, she's written herself off. She is not a priority. Edwina is the only priority. But there's this, like, really sweet brief scene where Kate is, like, holding up one of Edwina's gowns. Yeah. uh, In front of the mirror. And you get, like, a very wistful moment where maybe you think, okay, this is... Something that's on Kate's mind, too. In, right. In the way because, back of her head.
1: Yeah, because we see Kate in a lot of dark colors and not a lot of whites, not a lot of, you know, so a lot of dark, beautiful jewel tones. And the, the dresses are absolutely gorgeous. But, and I'm just going to be like a bit like nerdy right now. Um When you were married... When you were a spinster, you know, when you were um, sort of one of the elder, elder women of the society, you wore those darker tones, you wore the darker purples, you wore the darker blues, the darker greens, you weren't wearing the, you know, the soft muslin white dresses of the 18 year olds, you know, so she's kind of, she's kind of just relegated herself to that position it is just sort of living in it but as you said there is there is this sort of wistful look in her eye that like maybe what would have been like if she could have pulled it off you know yeah <coughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh. so after we meet the Sharmas and the adorable little nugget that is Newton who seems to be the bane of everyone's existence except for the Sharma family <laughs> Right. Lady Danbury's immediately like get that gremlin off of my furniture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we get to go to our first ball, and it is thrown by Lady Danbury in a beautiful conservatory. Yes. And Lady Bridgerton, Violet, my MVP of the season. Yes. Walks in and literally just yells across the room,
1: my son is looking for a wife. Come and get them, girls. <laughs> I know. Oh, she has no chill and she loves it. It's incredible. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's so, oh, it's just like so good. Um, and you know, it's like, and everyone sees it. And, you know, we get this moment where um Lady Danbury is kind of like announcing some of the more eligible men. to the to the Sharmas and like we got I don't remember their names but like there is this one one of the one of the men he looks like he's 12 um my
0: god with the red hair yeah
1: and then there's like one that's clearly a, a little bit too old and his wife has just died and like so she's kind of printing pointing them all out and then she you know um they notice uh Anthony and then, you know, she's like, oh yeah, Lord Bridgerton, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, then we get this sort of like announcement from <laughs> Lady Bridgerton. And then um, you know, Kate's kind of just like, Oh, I'm ready to I'm done by this party. Like, is it time to go? Like, I'm ready. <laughs> uh and that so she goes outside and then she hears And this is one of the things that seriously irritate me about the Bridgerton men. And it happens more than once this season. They're Um, big fucking dummies. They are. And they're just like broing it up. (laughs) You know, they're just, they're just real chummy, being real chummy with each other. And just like talking shit about uh, basically trying to marry someone, uh, you know, with, you know, a great pair of hips you know a good family maybe some money depending on the the gentleman you are <laughs> but it's yeah. just woof and so Kate hears this and she's like mm, I see you I see you I hear you and you know she really she sees who it is like she sees that it yeah. was it's the guy from the park and she's just like "Ugh, gross he I'm gonna keep him away from my sister you know
0: well, and it's amazing, too, because when she sees him uh, very poorly dancing with some short girl, uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, I know him. And there was like a little something where she's like yeah. excited to see him because she really yeah. enjoyed herself in the park that morning. Yes, um, absolutely. But she's still like, mm, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then yeah. she goes out on the patio and she hears him and she's like...
1: Well, fuck that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, there goes that option. Right. Oh, thanks for meeting my expectations. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And then we have this, like, great little, this first sort of conversation between them, um, sort of both knowing that they're both sort of part of this society, you know, and he kind of, like, Basically is like, oh, I know you're eavesdropping on me. And she's like, mm, well, <laughs> your character is about as good as your horsemanship, which is the first of many delicious burns against Anthony Bridgerton by his one true love, <laughs> Tiffany <Kastani> Sharma.
0: <sighs> I mean, and it's like, not only is it one of the first burns, it's also one of the first compliments. Because yes. no matter what, even when they're fighting – They still can't have, like, they sneak in little, like, oh, I'm really attracted to you moments. Yeah. Yeah. She's talking about, like, you know, like, what do you, what, you think a nice smile is the only thing that's going to get you married around here? And he's immediately like, oh, you think I have a nice smile? Yeah. (laughs) Do you? Oh,
1: my God. I know. Like, it's the only thing he can think of. Right. Of course. Oh, Anthony Bridgerton. Come on so pretty much right after that they leave the ball right they don't they don't stick around too much she's like we're ready to go
0: kate's like i'm getting the fuck out of here yeah 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 and that's sort of too like we see a little bit of the tension between kate and lady danbury and that's where it starts to ramp up yes yeah yeah so as we sort of see that sort of tension between them Lady Danbury finds Kate later and is like, okay, you've been hiding something, so we need to talk about it. And, you know, credit to the writers, we get the stakes of Edwina's match really fast.
1: Yeah, exactly, which is great. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, you're not left guessing about what what's going on with the Sharmas. Kate yeah. needs to find Edwina a match with someone of British nobility. Yes, They're going to be the ones providing the dowry and then they'll be the ones taking care of the Sharma family Yeah, Edwina can find that match. Now Kate is the only one who knows this information. Lady Mary doesn't know and Edwina doesn't know and Lady Danbury is like uh, yeah, <sighs> probably a shitty idea but it's not my business. I'll follow your lead basically.
1: Right but she definitely does counsel her to be like you shouldn't tell them. <laughs> And Kate is like there's no way I am not doing that I want Edwina to find a love match I'm not going to let her Just you know Feel like she has to take whatever match That she has to To like secure mine And my mother's like future As well I'm not going to do that Which is one of the decisions That Kate makes that while Noble Ends up screwing Her
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, uh, what is it? I mean, it's just best intentions. Yeah. I mean, uh, oh, of
1: course. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we have that moment. And then I'm not, hold on, what happened? Oh, Penelope well, yes. and Eloise have yeah. the tulip. Okay. Moment. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. What is, what is? What happens there? They talk about,
0: Eloise talks about how much she hates it. And Penelope's like, well, at least you're like a part of it. I'm a wallflower. I don't participate yeah. at all. And... Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, like, they both have, a, like, have a very nice conversation about, like, how hard it is for both of them, basically. Like, you
1: know. Yeah, I think so. And, like, you know, and Eloise is kind of talking about how she, like, really loves this new writer that she's found, Mary Walden, <laughs> Mary craft Yeah. Um, and how she, like, prefers that to uh, Whistle Down. And Penelope is kind of, like, hurt by it because... You know, like I said, I really do believe that this sort of that Whistledown was supposed to be this thing that Penelope started to 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 make Eloise feel better. And, and it's kind of not it's kind of backfired on her in a way, <laughs> you know, which is really not Eloise's fault. In a, in a You know, it's Penelope can't really blame Eloise for that. But at the same time, it's still you can tell it hurts. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I think, again, we talk about Lady Whistledown being a love letter to Eloise and to hear Eloise shitting all over it,
1: Penn's yeah. like, look, well, oh.
0: this, is, this is my thing with you. Like, you don't know that, but this is our thing. So, yeah, it's, it is very hard. And so that is what inspires Penn to write a kind of more damaging Lady Whistledown column.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of... Basically, she kinda she kinda really makes the queen, forces the queen, um, to make a decision. And so the queen names Edwina the diamond. Now I just <laughs> there is this one moment where I think they're it's in the Bridgerton house, and I believe it's Benedict and Anthony. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's Colin and Anthony, but they're t- I think it's Benedict and Anthony, and they're talking about who uh, Anthony is going to marry, and he says something like, "Well, what are you going to do if if the queen names Eloise?" The <laughs> yeah,
0: shout out to Luke Thompson, who is my other MVP of the season. He plays Benedict so beautifully, right? Like- I- Perfect secondary character this season. Like, truly so good.
1: Like, such a... And he's just, like... Man, he gets all the assists. Like, he just <laughs> sets all the characters up yeah. for, like, the other characters. He's such a good... He's He's got such a charismatic personality um, that it, I, he has so much chemistry with so many of the other actors that he does such a great job as Benedict. Like, I truly... Truly loved it, and I kind of felt bad when, like, in that first season or the story in that first episode, when he's like, "Oh, hey, um, Genevieve, you're back," and she's like, "No, no, no, we're done." She's just <laughs> like, uh, "That's over. I'm over you. I went to France. We're not. We're worth- <laughs> it's <know>. done." <laughs> Which, he like, was I was like- kind of sad about, but like, I knew they had to do it eventually. But like,
0: well, oh well. It gives Anthony one of his like only fucking funny jokes of the season oh when God, he's yes. like, "Are you and you know the modiste still having a stitch?" Did I was like, "I know." I was like, "Oh, you!" That was a dad
1: joke. <laughs> it was, but it's so good. So it was, was hilarious. Like a, it's like a little bit dirty, but like mostly just putty. and yes. I yeah, was, it was like, really oh, good. Oh, Anthony. Yeah, so the queen names Edwina the diamond, and Anthony's like, Edwina will be my bride, and <laughs> it does not matter what anyone else has to say. And Kate is like, don't ever look at that man again. <laughs> I
0: die. I die. It's so funny. She's like, absolutely fucking
1: not. And I just find... I don't know. I find it odd. And and we do get into it more. But like Mary takes a real backseat in terms of <coughs> this season. And, you know, when you talk about them, there being some like really MVP moms yeah. in this season. Like Kate Sharma is kind of one of those moms. Like she, like Mary, yes, Mary is good. And she does, like, I really do love her. But I just found, like, in some things, and, like, this is part of the whole issue, right? It's, like, in some things she was very much okay to let Kate kind of take the reins, but to Kate's own detriment, unfortunately. And and it was almost, like, not very fair to Kate.
0: No, no, no. You are 100% spot on. I think... That's a journey that we watch Lady Mary go on throughout the season. It's just how she comes into her own, you know? Yes, I mean Absolutely
1: there is there's
0: and as we go on, we uncover a little bit more of the backstory for Lady Mary and the Sharma family mm-hmm. and her the so you can kind of understand her hesitancy, but yeah. the first few episodes she does feel like she's just not. Invested.
1: Uh, no, I think she's not, like not even invested. not invested. She's just she's like very much like just going along with whatever Kate thinks is right. Yeah. Which is yeah. which feels odd because you're like, well, what does Kate know? Why does Kate know everything? I mean she does, like she's just brilliant. Like she just she does know everything.
0: I know, which really makes me wonder what the seasons are like back in india <laughs> like you know it's such an interesting um like what yeah like I what think, was um, their experience growing up
1: yeah i wonder because i guess they because their her father was some sort of clerk for royalty right yeah in india Because I know Mm -hmm. they talk about the palace in India. So, um, yeah, so they were clearly in some sort of society. I'm not exactly sure what, but, yeah, it's very interesting. So, and that is basically, that's basically the end of the first episode. Like, we've met everyone. Um, We didn't talk. I guess we don't really meet the, we didn't really see, we don't really see the Featheringtons in that first episode, do we? We see them super, super briefly
0: when uh, Penelope is sort of waiting for Lady Whistledown's column to go out. And all we oh, really yeah. know is that they have not met the new Lord Featherington. And they, and they are, are still Baroque as broke. fuck. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, they are still baroque as hell. And yeah. Lady Featherington is trying to figure out what's what.
1: Yes. Oh, and that remind. okay, sorry. That just reminded me of this hilarious scene. And I don't know if it's in the first episode or the second episode when they're talking about what to sell and yeah, the barley yes. her maid, is just like, well you could sell the dining set. Like that would that'd be a good amount of money. And uh, Lady Featherington is just like, would you shut the fuck up? And then later <laughs> she's like, sell the candles.
0: Sell the <laughs> candlesticks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's like she wants her to shut the fuck up but she also knows that varley is right
0: <laughs> varley how many mvps can i have this season because oh my varley god is i know right she's so up right up right with there
1: she is so funny and like the dynamic between her and the new lord featherington who we'll meet in the second episode is just hilarious like it's truly hilarious yeah so the second episode the second episode is we are right in Everything is happening. It happens fast. Edwina is this diamond of the season. Anthony's going to make her his wife, and like, does not matter. Kate Sharma is not going to stand in Anthony's way. He is going to make it happen. And there's this great scene between him and Benedict, and they're at the barber and they're and and they're like and he's they're talking and he's like the sister he's like the sister it's just like i love that it's so good it's
0: like a guttural growl i want to give every possible prop and award to jonathan bailey for his delivery this season because he is exceptional
1: exceptional like beyond like like For anyone who didn't like Anthony in season one, I hope the crow that you're all eating is fucking delicious.
0: Well, it's, it's like, it's a talent to be able to deliver even just a breath and like he breathes with disdain and longing and it's like a beautiful balance. Like, you know immediately that he can't keep his eyes off her, but he wants nothing to do with her, but he.
1: He needs yeah. to sit
0: down next to her when he's in the bleachers. Like, God forbid he's on the other side of Edwina. He's got right, to sit right. Right in between the Sharma sisters.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. And so he hatches this plan and he's like, we're going to the races. And like the whole family is like, okay, I guess we're going to the races. Because like he can't do anything without his whole entire family there. Um, And then we get the return of Colin, who is back from Greece with his weird little Grecian gooty and I'm sorry I just can't get over it I hated it so much
0: well and everyone else did too so that worked in our favor
1: (laughs) I know (laughs) so they are they all go um to the I don't even know what it is it's I can't remember the name of the event but they're basically it's horse racing yeah I mean I know there's a term for it but I I can't remember so Also in attendance uh, is the new Lord Featherington. So uh, Jack Featherington, he is the cousin of the deceased Lord Featherington, Lady Featherington's husband. And he actually, they believed that it was going to be his father, but his father has also died. And so he has arrived. He was living in the Americas (laughs) and he has now um, arrived to claim uh, the bankrupt estate that he sort of um, inherited after um, their father's death. And oh boy, he's fun. I loved him. Like the minute he came on, I was like, oh, I like him. He's funny. Yeah. So Rupert Young
0: was yes. on a beloved show of mine yes. when I was in college. And mine. Yeah. Yes.
1: BBC's
0: yeah. Merlin. Oh. And I just haven't seen him since then, so it took me a second when he Whoa. came on screen. But I was like, "Oh hey, it's,
1: well, it's our guy!" Like I, I was know. so nice to see him. I was surprised because you know I think in Merlin when he played Sir Leon, right? Was that yeah, it? he's like yeah. Arthur's original right hand man in the show. Yeah, but he has doesn't he? He has facial hair and in He has Merlin. a slight
0: beard and he's got yeah. long like chill short- hair.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so like to see him clean shaven, short hair, I was like, I definitely understand that I know him, but where? <laughs> yeah.
0: All I will say is it made me super desperate for Bradley James to somehow be on Bridgerton. <laughs> I was like, "What can we do to get Arthur on Bridgerton? Because he would be a delightful romance hero." Oh, I have a couple
1: of ideas. (laughs) Can we at least start petitioning Netflix? Right, exactly. He'd be real good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's probably. It's not like. He could be a good romance hero for Francesca, who <laughs> we only see for like five whole seconds.
0: Oh, damn. By the time we get to group her, she's going to be like 50 life. years old. I did like that they maintained her one episode a
1: season. But then they didn't say where she went. Yeah, that was a little did. They, they did drop the ball now. On that one. They did. I was like, okay, so she's here, <laughs> but then she's not here. But we don't know. Like, they could have just said she went back to Bath. But, like, I didn't hear that. Now, I mean, I did watch all the shows back to back to back to back. So maybe I missed it. But feel free to correct me. <laughs> so we find out that Jack Featherington actually has, like, a... Massive fortune because he has found and owns ruby mines in the Americas, and so yeah. Lady Featherington is just like, woo! All three <laughs> girls are getting married. I uh, everything is looking perfect. I am going to be back in the game. You know, I will put up with his real ugly gun collection if I have to. <laughs> But give me those rupees. <laughs> you know, so, and I just, Polly Walker, I'm sorry, oh, is. NVP yeah.
0: MVP number five. I don't know what oh number my god! right now. She's
1: so, like, she just, she was great last season. She is phenomenal. Like, between her and Ruth Gemmell, who plays Violet Bridgerton, like, these two women, I, I just am blown away by, like, how wonderful they were. Like, just I, so great. Just,
0: yeah. I mean, absolutely incredible. And I I love a woman without a husband. I don't know. You make a woman a widow and she just becomes... <laughs> like, so much more interesting. So much more interesting. I am fully on board with it. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. I was really excited to kind of see where the Featherington plot was going. Though... We'll talk more about it in part two and part three, but, like, lots of twists and turns there. I I really thought I knew what was going to happen, and every time I thought I knew what was going to happen, something different happened.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. There was was so many, like, the Featheringtons kept us on our toes this season. Like, truly. More than anyone else. Yeah. (laughs) So good. It is. So, back at the races, so much happens. (laughs) We've got... Thomas Dorset, who is this lovely gentleman who gets introduced to Kate, you know, uh, by Lady Danbury, he's, he's very charming and she's like, okay, yeah, I'll entertain you. That's fine. And then Anthony's like, whoop, gonna take Edwina this way. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're all sitting together and, you know, they're watching the race and then oh, it just gets to the point where they're just bickering so much. At one point, Dorset and Edwina kind of lean backwards and they're like, should we separate them? And that's just like, they're just, it's so, it just gets, it gets worse and worse and worse. And they're just like, what? And then they're kind of cheering at the same time, but they're definitely cheering for different people. But they're like (laughs) both super excited and they you can't really tell. Are they cheering with each other? Are they cheering against each other? Would they just kiss already? Like I would really like that.
0: I cannot even tell you watching Simone Ashley lose her fucking mind cheering for this horse. I was, I was dying. I, know. I was absolutely losing my mind. <laughs> it was I so even- great. Like oh, the whistling, sh- the whistling. <laughs> so I good. thought she was gonna go into the Arsenio Hall, like woo, 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 woo. Wait, me too.
1: I, was, <laughs> me I too. was really waiting for it to happen. <sighs> I was like, "What? Where are we going here?" Oh my god! It was, it was, was so it was so good. Um, and then, of course, and and she really does seem to be genuinely like enjoying being with Anthony in that moment. And then it's all kind of shot to shit. <laughs> when thomas Dorset lets it slip that anthony basically was like hey i need you to chat up the sister so i can have some time with edwina and oliver reminded me of and this is gonna be so bad it reminded me of like season one and two of jersey shore when (laughs) do you know what i'm about to say When, when, like it would be like one of the guys would like find a hot girl, and the other one would have to like jump on the bomb. Do you remember they used to talk about that? It was so gross. But that's exactly what it reminded me of. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh my god, you're so
1: funny. What oh. a throwback. I know I haven't thought of that in like literally a decade or more. <laughs> um, but then I thought, and for some reason, I just like I had this like, I don't know, I just I was like, oh my god, it just reminded me of it. So funny. <laughs> oh my god. I know. Yeah,
0: so <sighs> I mean, listen, he he said, Anthony said that he this was. He was going to get Edwina and no one was going to stop him. And so obviously he was going to play a little dirty. But it's like in all of that effort to do that, he's just continually proving Kate right. And yeah, she just is like, you are a fucking scoundrel. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to my sister. We're out.
1: Like, we are done. But, like, it's funny because, like, Anthony hasn't actually done anything bad. He's done exactly what is expected of him for this entire season to, like, court a girl, marry her. Like, he's doing everything exactly how his mother and Lady Danbury, like, everyone is on board. Like, it's like, this is, like, but Kate is just, like, not having it. And she's, like, a little bit... Like almost blind to the fact that like he is a very good match for her sister
0: I mean in in a world of of this sort of negotiation to find a husband you could you couldn't you Anthony Bridgerton is pretty much the best that you can do
1: look in a world of Lord Pemberton's I remembered his name the redhead is Pemberton. <laughs> uh the 12 year old redhead yeah. uh you want Anthony Bridgerton. <laughs> Um, so meanwhile, as all this is happening, Eloise has kind of been like, oh, I'm actually doing something with Penelope and I can't come to the races. Obviously gets blown out of the, you know, obviously we find out that's not true when we see Penelope at the races with her family and her new cousin and, Uh, that's when her and Colin see each other for the first time after he's been back from Greece. And it's this really sort of lovely moment where he, he mentions that her letters like really sort of like kept him going. And he, you know, he mentions, she said, oh, it must've been very lonely. And he's like, no, actually it wasn't lonely at all, you know? And so, oh, Colin, why are you so dumb sometimes? Like, and that, so that brings me back to, right, we're
0: talking about how uh, Lady, Lady Featherington is trying to sell a whole bunch of stuff, and there's a really brief scene where she goes into Penelope's room yeah. to, like, inspect some things, and, you know, they it turns out that Penn has been writing lots of letters to Colin, and they sort of make fun mm-hmm. of her for their friendship, or that it's, like, not really a friendship, and, like, leave the poor boy alone, he's not interested, right. all this yes stuff so for the first thing holland says to pen you know about how her letters kept him company it's like yeah it, there's something there, there. yeah just, he's a big fucking he is idiot, he is because
1: then he's yeah exactly it. so he says oh yeah your letters kept me going but then he in the same breath is like yeah but i definitely wasn't lonely And i was just like dude you yeah, don't like, you big dummy like what, what did you think and like. Of that course, he, like, be. explains it later, but, like, at the time, it sounds like he was just, like, whoring it up in Greece. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, didn't he?
0: I guess. Uh, undetermined. I really don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I don't. It's been so long <laughs> since I read the book. Um, We'll have to get our girl, Bree, to come back and let us know because she is eight vast Colin Bridgerton fan so she knows all so (laughs) Brie let us know um, on Twitter uh, was Colin um, with all of the Grecian ladies before he returned we need to know (laughs) Penelope is at the races and so we're left to wonder where the heck is Eloise (laughs) and we find her Despite her protests that Lady Whistledown is boring and she is done with all of the gossip and she'd rather read things like um, Mrs. Wollenstonecraft, she is in fact <laughs> in some part of East London, I think, in search of Lady Whistledown's identity. Yeah, and this is where
0: this is where stuff with Penn and Eloise start to like
1: Uh, i know you have lots of thoughts about
0: this well i just i get nervous to me penelope and eloise are a really crucial relationship on Mm the show i agree and i just worry that we're gonna take them to a point of no return yeah because like shit if if one of my friends was secretly writing a gossip column and like would randomly kind of use me and my family to, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know how I would respond. So I just, you know, as this, this subplot sort of plays out all season, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. It's a knuckle biter for
1: sure. Like it's, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. It's too much.
0: Yeah.
1: And that, that's also, so when she's searching for Lady Whistledown, that's when she meets Theo Sharp who is the printer's assistant, who is actually the printer that prints Lady Whistledown's papers, though Eloise doesn't know it at the time. And he's real cute. So cute. Played by newcomer Callum Lynch. He is adorable. But also
0: low-key looks like a Bridgerton. He
1: kind of does. I just kept thinking, of course, Eloise is going to fall in love with a dude with the same face. Yes. Like, they have the His same face. face. Looks like... A male version of Eloise, like
0: he would have been, he could have been a perfectly acceptable like Colin Bridgerton. Yeah, no, no offense to the current color, you know, but you know what I mean. Like he, to be honest, he could have. He actually
1: looks so like easily. more like what I pictured Colin Bridgerton to actually look like before the show came out.
0: Yes. <laughs> this is weird. Well, I mean, what do I know? But I, I mean, he just has that vibe. So yeah, I still love him. Oh yeah, he was a joy. He, I, but give me a. Poor, radical,
1: cute boy. That's like my shtick. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> but he does hand her this pamphlet uh, advocating for women's rights, which, I mean, I feel like that is right up Eloise's alley. Uh, that's like an, er- it's like erotica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God.
0: She's yes. like, oh, are you seducing me?
1: Because I am seducing Yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel like so then we have this like hilarious moment between the there are so many good scenes between the three bridgerton brothers or like two of the brothers or two of the different like there are so many great scenes this season with the brothers talking and like that's one of the things i love i do love that we get to see them actually having conversations and not being just like (sighs) quietly seething by themselves you know what i mean like i like i like that and you know (laughs) they are fencing uh in the back garden of bridgerton house and it's hilarious because anthony is just like absolutely pissed uh you know he's been left off of an invite to to a don't know uh, i guess it's kind of like a little like soiree where a bunch of young men will be entertaining edwina trying to catch her you know attention. and (laughs) i guess the
0: fucking talent it's a talent show show, basically (laughs) guys
1: it is a it is a talent show (laughs) nobody's got talent uh except benedict bridgerton who is not even there but he he does write this insanely a perfect poem that I wish we actually had the words to because like tattoo it on my body. Anyway. I am like
0: and I you know jokes on me. I just said that Benedict is like a perfect secondary character this season but knowing how he feels about love uh, and women and women I am just mm, I, I, I really am curious to see where they're going to go. With his story, I mean, clearly we're not getting
1: bisexual Benedict. No, no, Lady um, Granville, Lord Granville, thruple for Benedict.
0: But oh but I, yeah, I'm curious to see him as a romantic lead because, for me, of all of the Bridgertons, he is the biggest romantic. Yes, so I, I want it. I I want it.
1: Yeah, I will be very interested to see because he's his book. <laughs> He does some really dumb things in his book. <laughs> and, but you know what? I, even still, like, I kind of loved him. Like, I love, I, Benedict is, like, my number one, has always been, like, loved him forever. Like, and I truly <laughs> love Anthony Bridgerton, but, like, Benedict, I just, yeah. I don't know. I just love him. And so I just, it's good. I think it will still be good. But it's like, he does, he kind of does the thing that Anthony does where is like, You really hate him and then you love him because he like does stupid things, but then you realize he was just trying to do it in the way that he thought was best, but he's an idiot for it, but it's, you know, you still love him. (laughs) But yeah, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. But I do not believe that Benedict's season will be next. I don't. Yeah, I think we're going
0: to get Colin and Penn. I think they set them up like too much. Not too much, but like I think we got a lot of Colin and Penn. And so I think we're going to see them. And
1: next. I also think we will get Eloise as well. Because. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Do you think they'll do Eloise and Penelope together? They will, because book four and five kind of happen at the same time. Or um, almost concurrently. So I have a feeling that's, that will be sort of the crux of next season. And it will set up for what happens to Benedict because there's a big time jump in Benedict's book that has to happen if they're sticking to the crux of the book. So. Right. So we could potentially meet
0: Benedict's love interest in season three. We most probably, we most likely will. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just won't see her again until season four, which that's fair. Yeah,
1: we may not even see her until the very last episode.
0: So, right.
1: yeah. So it will be interesting to see. I, I think it will be. and But I'm excited for them to, you know, see what they change. So, sorry. We got so sidetracked. This is a big <laughs> Benedict.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a Hotel Vicarious episode without us going
1: off on like a fucking mile long tangent? Guys, by the end of this show... There will be so many Benedict Bridgerton tangents that it will be <laughs> a, its own episode that we'll just cut out and just be like, this is the Benedict Bridgerton episode. <laughs> We're just letting you know now. So he writes this poem for Anthony to read at Lady Danbury's soiree that he's going to crash. And he starts to do it, but then he kind of like meets eyes with Kate and <laughs> it is just, whew, he, it just, everything falls apart. Everything falls apart for him. Like he just, he doesn't know what to do with himself. And so he like throws the paper away and he's like, Oh, I can't, I can't say that. I, this isn't someone, this is someone else's words. And like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm a man of like someone who does things and I do what I'm supposed to do. And, You know, and, and it's very much someone in my friend, in my friend group, there's this moment, and you know, in Hamilton, and in Angelica's song, when she sees her sister fall in love with uh, Hamilton, it's like exactly that scene, (laughs) because Kate literally watches Edwina falling in love with Anthony. And it is just, but also... He keeps looking over at Kate, which is so confusing. Like, (sighs) Anthony. I,
0: yeah, well, this is also another part of the show that was hard for me because I just kept wondering how much further we were going to get with the love triangle. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, damn it. We're really going there, aren't we? Like, we're not even, we're not even pretending that this isn't going to go all the way. Like, it was. All the way is an understatement. (laughs) Yikes. But, like, we were never going to, you know, they all keep saying, like, this is going to be the worst thing in the world if, like, this doesn't really happen. And it's like, oh, okay. I'm just prepared for the worst. That's right. All. Yeah.
1: And they really kept saying, yeah, there was there comes – in later episodes, they do say, like, it can't be undone, <laughs> basically,
0: which is – And you're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do oh, with that?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, what are we going to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the very last episode um, – no, sorry, the very last sort of scene in the show is basically eloise tells penelope that she has noticed that there's a misshapen k on the whistledown printings and she matches it to the um radical feminist pamphlet that her boyfriend theo gave her and now she's gonna you know, she's she tells Penelope she's gonna track down the printer. And so Penelope is just like, Ah, god damn it, Eloise. And so she runs out to buy like a non wonky K for the printer for his press and bumps into Madame Delacroix in the process.
0: And I love that of everyone, it's Madame Delacroix oh. because Eloise pretty much can you know, uh accuses her of being Lady Whistledown yes. in season one. So it's like an interesting, you know, little loop around yeah. to uh kind of you know, bring everything back together. Yeah, and
1: I also like that it's a really great way for, it really helps the show keep Catherine Drysdale in the show because she's such a great actress and she brings such a really fun sort of, I don't know, like working class vibe to the show where it's it shows you life outside the tawn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and that's one of the best parts yes. about her. I re- That's why I really, I love her. And that's why I was so kind of like, Sad when her and Benedict kind of like called it quits at the beginning of episode one because I was just like, oh, damn, like, I hope that's not all we see of her. And you know, of course, we were rewarded,
0: yeah. And I think one of the kind of ongoing threads of this season is Eloise trying to buck the convention of having to present herself and find a husband, and Penelope is dealing with her kind of like just general being where no one really pays attention to her and she's constantly hiding in the back. And I think including Genevieve into the storyline with them is a really nice reminder of what the reality of that world is Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. I love it. No matter how, yeah. Like no matter how frustrated Eloise and Penelope are, (laughs) they are still women from titled families with lots of privilege and like the things that they're trying to get away with versus, you know, what – Madame Delacroix the who has to pretend to be French. Yeah, the like, risks she takes. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a hugely it's yes a really great kind of juxtaposition for the rest of the season.
1: There is, and there is actually one more thing that I forgot to mention, which again, like I feel like I'm shitting all over Colin Bridgerton, and I'm not. He's just like a real big dummy in the first couple episodes. Well, he he has. This is. They're
0: setting him up for his big season, they right are. where he becomes they are. The romantic lead. And we did the same thing with Anthony and CM. Yeah, I, I suppose mean, that's true. He's getting all of his he's getting all of his shittiness out, I think, hopefully yes, fingers I, crossed. I, he's very immature. Yeah, like
1: when he tells Penelope that he doesn't see her as a woman, she's just Pen. Yeah, like what the fuck is that? Uh, which of course in his mind is the most biggest compliment in the entire world. To her yeah. it's like you mean nothing to me <laughs> at all whatsoever.
0: <laughs> oh It's truly like you do not understand women. At all. At all. You dumbass. Mm, what a big himbo. Colin Bridgerton, himbo. You'll get there. <laughs> True. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I hope he'll get there. It'll be curious to see how, you know, that shakes out.
1: (laughs) Yes, it will. And that brings us to episode three. Daria, how do we get through this already? Because we're fucking pros. (laughs) It's only been an hour and 20 minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, are we being quick about this? I'm not not sure we're
1: being quick about this. (laughs) No, we are doing great. So, yeah, so we have got... Episode three, which is, like, the uh, culmination of the very first arc that is just legitimately breathtaking. It is breathtaking. (laughs) And so, like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna say it up front, I have a lot of thoughts about this episode. Um, This episode features quite a few scenes uh, and events that happen in the book. Um it's a, some of the scenes that people have been desperately waiting for for a long time and I know that I will acknowledge there is some discourse um going around right now about the way in which some of these scenes were were adapted. And I acknowledge that it is unfamiliar. Those <laughs> who ha- I
0: get it. I that is a very generous.
1: Yeah, I do. I I understand. I I myself was like, is this gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? Like this seems odd. You know. Um. So yeah, I get it. I truly get it. But at the same time, holy hell, I would take Jonathan Bailey absolutely hyperventilating in Simone Ashley's face a hundred times over than anything that happened differently in the book.
0: Well, okay. And so I finished episode three and I was like, ooh, that was beautiful. And so I, you know, I went online and I was really surprised by the discourse because again, what do I know? I do, I don't read it. So when, when someone explained to me this yeah and the sort of like consequences that follow i thought oh well that makes total sense if it results in forced marriage they're not going to do that again no we just we, we just, d- saw, we just that. saw that like, that's
1: exactly what happened with simon and daphne it's not going to happen again also it's episode three if you want the season to be over in episode five sure we could go that way yeah but we're not going to yeah. do that This is a Shondaland show, guys, at the end of the day, like you need to remember that um, there must be drama, (laughs) you know, like. Well, and not for nothing,
0: but it was so much more powerful to me to see that that sort of like panic than to see him try and suck out some venom. That would have just looked really goofy on screen, guys. It would have looked. Goofy. No, I do, I
1: agree. I think it would have looked bad. I I agree. So sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we are. We are. <laughs> yeah, get, sorry. No, no. I brought it up. Um, we are getting ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> I just wanted to say, I understand and acknowledge your feelings, but you just need to roll with the punches <laughs> because <laughs> this, this, sh- this. This gave us what we needed. It may not have been what you thought you wanted, but it's what we needed. <laughs> and I will leave yeah. it at that. So, <laughs> um, now, we open the episode with a flashback, which um, we did get flashbacks in season one, but they were not great. <laughs> uh, and it uh, seems like... got gut-wrenching these are worse (laughs) yeah yeah so we open it's 10 years uh previous um we have a cgi aged down anthony and a delicious looking edmund bridgerton played by our favorite rupert evans oh he looked good just just dang beautiful like so good he's clearly just like MVP number seven, I guess, because um, <laughs> for the five seconds he's for on
0: the screen. five seconds he's on
1: screen, he just he does seem like he's such a great dad. He, you know, he's he's um, giving Anthony advice. He's, you know, trying to teach him how to hunt. Like they're clearly the best of friends. And then you know they're heading back to the house, and he goes to pick some flowers for Violet, and ugh. I had my girl flashbacks. I had my girl flashbacks, guys. <laughs> I know, I know. And you just see that bee coming for him. And wow, it doesn't take long for that bee to absolutely demolish him. <laughs> and he is not pleasant. <laughs> it is not pleasant. Yeah, I was mortified,
0: actually. Truly, truly mortified. Like, The makeup was incredible. And I I do wanna briefly call out when I talk about makeup to the like brilliant de-aging that they did on Jonathan Bailey. And it was super, super slight. I mean, I really didn't look very... No,
1: it didn't. It wasn't
0: like the Irishman, but like he did look like a little baby, like a little 18-year-old Anthony Bridgerton. And it was so perfect in that scene to sort of just see how young and inexperienced. he
1: was. Yeah, we didn't need to see him look actually 18. We felt it and that was what mattered. Yeah, and I think he sold it really well. I absolutely agree. So basically he's like... His face is pale. His his neck is swelling. Anthony is like screaming for someone to come help them, uh, and then we see a massively pregnant Violet coming down the stairs, running to them, and like, oh my god, like just she is just like runs over and she's like holding him in her arms. And, like, kind of in the background behind Anthony, you can see children coming down the stairs. And so we never see the younger Bridgerton children, but we know that's who it is. And it is haunting.
0: His oh my face. God,
1: it's, it's, Jonathan Bailey's yeah, face he, is haunted.
0: Like, listen, give this man an Emmy because the, the work he does, the micro expressions that you see. Yeah. it's it's breathtaking work like i really truly believe that it is it was a beautiful performance and this episode especially was just yeah
1: and especially like ruth gemmo also like she as violet in these flashbacks was it hurt (laughs) like it hurt to watch and i just have to mention one and i don't know if you caught it or if you know but the flowers that he's picking for her are hyacinth's Oh, I didn't catch that because I don't know anything about flowers. But that's- And so, and that's, I, and so, and that's her favorite flower, right? And though that's why he's picking it for her. And that's what she names her yeah. daughter who never gets to meet him. It is heart wrenching. And, and like, that is such a small, it's not even, I don't even know that, that, that is in the book. But it is such a tiny moment that the show has like, just, just like crushed yeah. me. Just to notice. Well, and
0: that's, you know, that's one of the great things about adaptations is that you get to kind of fill in
1: those little gaps. Yeah, and they may be in the book. I'm just not, I just don't remember, but I just loved it. Yeah. I just thought it was so good to see.
0: No, the visual is great. <sighs> and it's, it's one of those crazy things because not only now are we dealing with Edmund's death, but Anthony has to now become Lord Bridgerton. Instantly. He's. He's like, you know, now officially, immediately the guardian, the caretaker, the head of the household, like he is in charge of things that he's never been prepped on. And so he's like, he doesn't have really time to grieve his dad because now he has to like put on his big boy pants and run the household.
1: Yeah. And then immediately uh, his mother in her, like in her grief uh, goes into labor with uh, who eventually is Hyacinth. It is. it is so. They're, they're the scene in Violet's bedroom where she is in labor and the doctor is saying to Anthony, you know, you have to decide do I save her or the baby? And she is just so distraught, being like, this should be Edmund's choice. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, like, he loved me so much. He loved me so much. Like, it's just like, it's so heart-wrenching.
0: Well, and it's crazy, too, because if you remember, right, as, as everyone is mourning, one of the footmen comes up to Anthony's like, we'll have her moved out of her room. And she's like, what do you mean moved out of the room? And they're like, oh, well, they're your rooms now. And it's like, that's his pregnant mother, you motherfuckers. Like, yeah. It's just everything about it is so tense and horrible and they don't really give them any time to breathe. And mm-hmm. No, I know. But I, I I, do appreciate that in that scene, Anthony's like, whatever she says.
1: Yes. Like, I defer to, yeah. to whatever Yeah, whatever she, she like, wants to do. On. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so terrible. So back to present day, they are <laughs> at their country estate, which is where Edmund had died. And they are just like, being really familial and like having a great time together and getting ready for all of their guests to arrive because they are having a big house party at uh, at Aubrey Hall. The first people to attend several days before everyone else are the Sharmas and Lady Danbury. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and, you know, uh, and this is again where we see Daphne really excited and we get to see Daphne's baby who is decidedly more biracial than the baby in season 1 which is nice to see. <laughs> they recast cute. the baby which is a good it job. It's a real white more baby like his dad. <laughs> uh, in season mm-hmm. 1. So, very cute baby. And so she's very excited that Anthony has invited the Sharmas you know and she's gonna help him with Edwina and you know but she also is the first to be like but what about the sister (laughs) (laughs) and I think what I love
0: about that is it's like a you know and and we don't have Simon this season so we don't really get to see how Daphne is in her like post happily ever after with her husband but if anyone understands the the thin line between love and hate is Daphne and Simon. Yeah. And so I think she picks up on that really fast.
1: Yeah. Because she and she it. And she does make reference to it more later on where she talks about how they're always finding new things to fight about. And, you know, and I liked that. I liked that little nod to their relationship. Mm-hmm. So the Sharmas arrive at Aubrey Hall. And, you know, of course – Anthony, he can't even help himself. He's just, like, immediately drawn to Kate, and he, you know, and he's just, like, they're just
0: like a moth to a flame yes like a moth
1: to a flame exactly and like they immediately start like sparring over you know words and like there's so there's so much chemistry it's like oozing out of their pores what's
0: really funny about it is kate gets out of the carriage and looks up at this big beautiful grand estate and she has a like karen knightley moment yes pride and prejudice yes yes where she starts like laughing and smiling and he goes oh are you enjoying yourself (laughs) She's like, fuck you. Absolutely not. No,
1: exactly. And of course, this leads to Daphne thinking that she is Edwina. And there is this (laughs) absolute embarrassing moment where he's like, no, 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 no. This is Edwina. And like, you can definitely tell, like, you don't really see it. But Kate's face is very different. Once that happens, Mm -hmm. like she's very much subdued after that. And then I think it's at that point when he asks his mother for her ring, for her engagement ring. Yep. After the Sharmas have gone into the house. And she's just like, "Mm, I don't know. Do you love her? I want this to be a love (laughs) match. It's like, I'm sorry, Violet. Vi.
0: I know. Do you know your son at all? Where have you been?
1: (laughs) Where have you been? (laughs) you know so god so then we are treated to this i just it's i don't know it's just like this lovely sort of this this is where we get to see lady featherington start to make some moves oh yeah so they we find out very quickly that cousin jack needs to marry someone asap but i mean obviously clearly something is up because he is like He is looking for a wife. And Lady Featherington and Varley realize very quickly that the best person for him to marry is Lady Featherington's daughter, the very dumb Prudence. (laughs) Like, she's just so dumb.
0: Well, and it's so funny because Penelope's like, uh, we're cousins. Oh, oh, I know. And they're like, no, no, no. We're fourth cousins. It's regal.
1: Think of the royal family. (laughs) <laughs> but however, uh Jack, of course, uh, has his sights set on Cressida Cowper. Which it's funny, you know, for all that Lady Featherington uh, belittles Penelope and doesn't treat doesn't give her the credit or respect she deserves, she hates the cowpers just as much as Penelope does. Oh yeah. Yep. So you know they're just like, ugh, no God. So so yeah, he's got his sights set on Cressida, but it gives it gives Penelope an idea when he talks about Cressida's love for this new modiste. and this is when Penelope makes a move. <laughs> And it is one of my favorites. But also, this poor. She's so. <laughs> this poor. Mother. My God, it's so mean. It is so mean. Ruins this woman's like, whole career. Right, but also, like, makes her business, um, like, saves her struggling business. But she basically yeah. says that the new Modiste is, blech, you know, totally, you know. Yeah. And then praises Madame Delacroix as old but capable. <laughs> And basically yeah. that column sinks the competition and you know like I said saves Delacroix's business and then Penelope is like okay I helped you and now I need your mm-hmm. silence I
0: got you yes. like it's just masterclass in manipulation
1: yeah but it also really does work to um Genevieve Delacroix's favor you know, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But there is, as we see later on, there is a risk, there are risks that she has to take because of it. So, but I do love that, I kind of love that Penelope had someone else who kind of knew, you know, like, I really, mm-hmm. I liked that. And I do think that, you know, as we get
0: further on the relationship between Penelope, and Genevieve is just, really fun
1: mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. like i really enjoy their scenes together and the way they bounce off and each i other. loved how um genevieve dropped the accent when she was around mm-hmm. penelope i really liked that part too
0: i love that seeing was so her, funny like
1: you know be her yeah exactly self, yeah. so back at aubrey hall uh, <laughs> This is another scene that has like, it has, it it lives in the ages of romance novels as like one of the best <laughs> scenes ever uh, to be written in a romance novel. Uh, and it is the scene where they are playing Paul mall or Croquet. The show delivers. Let me tell you. <laughs> this was a truly great adaptation of the, the scenes in which these this this event takes place like it it, they really did such a great job of it in like from Daphne giving out the rules and you know Eloise trying to sort of silently you know make everyone lose and and of course the mallet of death which has always been Anthony's And Kate, of course, picks it and leaves Anthony with the pink mallet. (laughs) Clearly meant for a child. (laughs) Yeah. And so this is the there's a couple of things here that it was so great. Like it truly was. The only thing that I found a little bit irritating is like Edwina was kind of like whiny about not enjoying it. And that's not really her kind of personality in the book. And this is where I started mm-hmm. to feel a little bit like they they have changed a lot about Edwina from yeah. how she is in the book. Um and I'm not sure that it's for the better. It is what it is, and so I still I still yeah. liked it, but I I don't believe like I I feel like it could have been done maybe in a different way slightly, but
0: Yeah, I do feel like For someone as smart as Edwina, who knows that this weekend or this, this, because, I mean, they're royalty. They don't really, they're not, no one's working a nine to five. Sure. Whatever day that they're out in the country. This trip is very important. And so I don't think that she would let herself react that way, knowing that she's trying to leave with an engagement. Do you know what I mean? Like, she would have put on a happy Yeah, like, she does
1: leave the game, but she's not, like, mopey about it. Like in the book, like yeah. she, she does do that, but she doesn't, I don't know, she just seemed very mopey and, and like, kind of like, the like, and I, I just felt like it was a bit odd. <laughs> I don't know, it just, it didn't really feel like, if she's trying to win him over, like, I don't know, it just seemed weird to me. Yeah, that would not be the way to do it, especially because he's so invested. And then, but then, and, loves and then the she just like, is like, the other way after and she's like all about Anthony you know what I mean so it's just very yeah I felt felt it was a little bit too like is Edwina kind of like a little bit of like a is she kind of bitchy or is she just really young or is she bitchy or is she young (laughs) well see
0: and to me it's like I guess you know we'll talk about this more in part two and part three but we start to see Edwina fall for Anthony and this would have been a really good place for her to stop falling for anthony a little bit like to sort of show it instead of her being like whiny about it sort of be like oh this is not a thing that we share to sort of like ease out of this like ridiculous love triangle which is what happened
1: in the book so it and i still feel like they could have done exactly what they did without Without the way in which they went about it exactly. I'm like, I'm trying, like, guys, I really don't want to knock it because, like, I understand the adaptation and I don't want to be like, I didn't like this because it was not like the book. That's not it at all. I just feel like they could have made her less irritating. No, it sounds like
0: of everything from the book to the at like to the T V show, Edwina sort of suffered
1: probably the most in all of it. Absolutely.
0: Someone was going no, to. I, I someone was going agree. to, and it was Edwina yeah, for Which sure. is
1: too bad. Yeah. But like, you know, at the end she kinda redeems herself at the very end of the show. So like, you know, it's okay. But uh yeah, it was a little yeah. touch and go there. So yeah, they are playing this crazy game of croquet, which has basically no rules, and you just Are out to (laughs) get each other. Um, And then we get this amazing scene where Anthony and Kate have basically just been trying to screw each other over the whole game. And now they are having to, like, go through the bush to find their balls. And they fall in a mud puddle. And it is just... I just love it so much. It's like they are laughing. Truly laughing. Like, just... You know, truly laughing, um, and it seems like such a fun moment. And I think for you know, Kate is obviously enjoying herself. She's like, okay, maybe, maybe this guy isn't so bad. Maybe he can, you know, maybe he he could be the right. guy for my sister. And he's like, okay, there's some
0: humanity, right? There. And he's yeah. like,
1: okay, you know, maybe, okay, maybe I can find a way for her to convince her that you know I should marry her sister. Um, and then, of course, she hits her ball. And it goes near Edmund's grave, and then Anthony is Anthony. And he storms off because he just can't handle his feelings. Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, between
0: how he feels about Kate and the fact that his ball went over to his father's mm-hmm. grave, like there's um a lot happening. And of course, Kate is sort of left there, like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> And then we get this, like, really funny scene between Violet Bridgerton and Lady Danbury. Oh, my God. Two little yentas. Oh, my God. It's amazing. They're just, like, ears to the door, just, like, listening to hear, you know, what they're saying and, like, so funny. And then Eloise is like, do I even want to know? And then she just like keeps walking. <laughs> oh God, it's so great. But this is while Violet and Lady Danbury are, are Danbury are listening. This is where we have Daphne talking to Anthony about how it feels to be in love, and about her and Simon, and you know, you know, and all the the symptoms of being in love. And I think that is when we start to realize, and when Anthony starts to realize. That he is feeling all of those things, but it is definitely not for Edwina. Yeah. Oh my God. So the
0: next morning, Mm -hmm. we get to see Kate's little tea ritual, which I thought was cute. Yes, because she does say Uh, often how
1: much she hates English tea. So to see her chai ritual was just so great. Yeah.
0: And we get a scene that I had sort of been waiting for from like the very beginning. We get to see Eloise and Kate have a little bit more one-on-one time. You know, and I think I think my one issue with Eloise this entire season is that um, she's just so immature. <laughs> yeah. Like, believe me, I I would not be particularly pleased to be married off as soon as I turned 16, 17, 18 years old. And it's she's, you know, in the very baby stages of her feminism, and I totally get it. But commiserating with Kate, who's 26 years old. Yeah. It's it's a very different thing. Like, Eloise is still... She literally has just premiered for the very first time. There is a very big difference between how Kate is treated and how Eloise is treated. But I did like that Eloise got to see a woman who you know, had sort of has been following her own rules for a while. That was Yeah.
1: And continues to, and is not conforming to sort of the rules that society is sort of forcing upon Eloise. Right. And yeah. so that was nice. I really liked that. I thought the discussion between them was good. And Kate finds out from Eloise that that's why Anthony was so grumpy after the Paul mall game was because that was their father's grave and he doesn't go there very often. Yeah. Yeah. They-
0: This is definitely an episode where Kate learns a lot about Anthony and his sort of trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Speaking of trauma, then we get the final flashback. And we get this flashback of it's obviously post Edmund's funeral and post some they're in some sort of mourning period. And yeah violet is not doing great put it lightly i mean she's 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 definitely suffering from depression she's mourning her husband um she has (laughs) uh a baby that she just like can barely handle even looking at um and one of the things she says to anthony is that she wishes that the baby had done her the courtesy of killing her so that she could be with her husband and it's like Girl, I know you're hurting, but your son is 18.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she... Woof. It's like we... we, They have a very interesting relationship, right? Like, even from season one, um, Anthony takes his role very, very seriously. And Violet, I think, seems to forget how she dealt with her husband's death. And she really wants Anthony to be lighter and happier and more, you know, involved in the family things and finding a love match. And it's like, no you seem to have sort of accepted your grief. Mm -hmm. Anthony is definitely still dealing with this because he never got a chance to properly do it when his father died. And so he's carrying this this with him. And it's definitely kind of affected every choice he makes in adulthood.
1: And you know, it's funny that you mentioned season one because every time that Violet and Anthony come to heads, it's actually about something that she very much forced him into not not maybe not maybe it was more a sin of omission rather than she just couldn't do it and so he had to but like don't be mad at him for doing the thing that society and you basically said he had to do because there was no other choice you know and so now you know we go from that scene we go to the present day where she's like happy and peaceful and she's like trying to assure him that you know love isn't a weakness and he's like I saw what our father's my father's death did to you, I would never yeah. do that to someone. I would never do that to someone. I will never love someone that much because I would never want to hurt them that much. And like, oh yeah. god, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. It's uh Ugh.
0: and it's one of those things that leaves his mother completely like shell-shocked like she like babe you didn't realize you didn't realize that your son was carrying around some trauma because that's all this is right
1: exactly like go to a therapist Anthony. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, and so after that they have like it's like the final dinner before all of the other guests come and there is this expectation that this is going to be the moment that when all of the guests arrive that Edwina and Anthony will be engaged and he like (laughs) is getting ready to give his toast and he's like saying all of these things and then he looks at Kate and he (laughs) he just (laughs) he's like and uh yeah today was a really good day all right good (laughs) night (laughs) bye
1: oh it's so bad It's so bad. Now, just there is one thing that I just want to go back to before we continue past this dinner that earlier in the day, Benedict is very nervous. He's 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 basically applied to be accepted into the Royal Academy of Arts. And so he's very nervously waiting. He you know, he's he's waiting for a letter to see if they're going to accept him because he wants to be an artist. And in his nervousness colin decides the best thing to give him would be mushrooms (laughs) because what doesn't make everything better than some shroom tea when you're already (laughs) very paranoid so thankfully it just makes him real high we get this very kind of tense um dinner scene for anthony but we have these moments of Benedict in the background being like, this is like eating his dinner like he has never tasted food before. Just like, mm, 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 mm. like it is so great. And then he like at one point spills his wine and then he's like so embarrassed. He's like rubbing his hands on his face. And then at one point he just like holds the footman's hand. When, when he, it's yeah. just like he is tripping balls. Okay, guys? And he's, <laughs> he's like sweating through his clothes like, and everything. It's and, so great. And so we've got oh. this happening in the background while Anthony is like yeah. trying to give this toast. And he's like, uh, buh, 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 I can't ask you to marry me. I'm going to say, please don't tell anyone about my failure at croquet.
0: <laughs> and it yeah, is. It was. Rough. I mean, he fumbles
1: the bag so bad. It is so bad. So bad.
0: Like, if there is anything you can take away from season two of Bridgerton, it's that Anthony Bridgerton will embarrass himself a million times. Just every episode. The man embarrasses the shit out of himself. (laughs) Like, he has some sort of kink, basically. (laughs) Yeah. It's just.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's basically it. It's. It's wild. And, and
0: then you remember how young Edwina is. And she's crying her little eyes out
1: I know. about not having the proposal. I know, And it's just. And I, I think like... that is that is one of the scenes where we really do see just how young Edwina is. And that's what I mean. Like, is she kind of yeah. bitchy or is she just really naive? And I think she really is just very naive and just very much, you know. Right. Because there's at
0: least an eight to ten year difference between Edwina and Kate.
1: I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Seven,
0: seven yeah. to eight years. Kate's 26. Yeah. And Edwina. Maybe Edwina's 18. Yes. So, yeah. Like... Exactly.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's quite a big difference and, you know, and, but there is this really beautiful moment where she is putting hair oil on Edwina's hair. And that yes. was such a, you know, there, throughout the show, there are some very, like, moments subtle moments in the show where they've added you know these these cultural moments for for the sharmas that like i just feel like are done in such a nice way but i do know that there i do know from speaking to a couple of people that they kind of they kind of went a little too far a little too broad in their pulling, yeah, I was gonna say
0: they 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 pulled a Disney where they sort of just picked a bunch of different things from a bunch of different cultures. Yeah, and, like, exactly. Like bit. they
1: didn't they didn't kind of focus on one sort of specific some one sort of sort of specific culture. You know, from India, they kind of like there was just a couple too many things. Like I get what they wanted to do, but in this in doing that, they kind of they kind of watered it down almost just a little bit too yeah. much. I can see that. But I did think it was a beautiful scene between them as sisters. And I really, I really liked that. And, you know, and then Kate, you know, of course, is like, this is totally on him. It's totally his fault. Yeah. Oh, he was looking at my face, but it was totally his fault.
0: Yeah. Keep telling yourself. Yeah.
1: So, and then, <laughs> and then right after that, Benedict does get his letter. He has been accepted. <laughs> and he is just... Oh my god, he was just lo- loving life. Loving life.
0: Yeah, and and I, I love this scene in particular because in season one, Eloise and Benedict had a very sort of like close relationship, mm-hmm. similar to how, you know, Anthony and Daphne have that sort of confidant relationship as yeah. well, so... For Eloise to be the one to deliver the news was like a really sweet moment because they have such a fun friendship. And um, listen, uh, I would probably throw open the window and scream out into the abyss
1: too. I know. Why not? Yeah, exactly. (sighs) And then we get to the scene. (laughs) The scene of all scenes. The scene that... This was a beautiful way to end the episode. It was (laughs) such a wonderful way to wrap up the first three episodes And to set us on what really was, like, such a confusing trajectory, not knowing where the heck they will take things starting in episode four. So the following day, (laughs) Kate uh, is out on one of her walks and she finds Anthony, like, kind of losing his shit (laughs) in
0: the (laughs) garden. Yeah, the man is, like, literally
1: kicking flowers. Like, he's mad he is real mad (laughs) and you know he says you know don't worry i am gonna propose to edwina he's like but i just you know my feelings would not allow me to speak it no okay
0: well yeah bro because you're in love with the wrong
1: sister so then they start to you know argue uh you know about you know who who knows what Edwina wants more? And, like, clearly it's obviously Kate. Uh, but, you know, Anthony, Anthony <laughs> refuses to budge on that one. And then... He's a man right, after and all. And then you know. a bee lands on Kate's collar. And he loses his
0: shit. Yeah, I mean, this is a g- genuine trigger warning for Anthony. Like,
1: he... Goes into a full panic attack. Mode. Like he he is freaking out. And he's like, Do not move. Do not move. Do not move. Are you okay? Don't move. And then she's just like, What? What? Oh, and she flings it off and it stings her on the collarbone. And he just goes into full panic mode. Like like he is hyperventilating. Like he's like he can barely breathe. And she's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. It was just a bee. And oh, this scene, when they are like forehead to forehead, noses to noses, and she just like takes his hand and puts it over her heart, so and puts hers on his so he can like feel that she's okay. I don't care what Julia Quinn wrote in the book. <laughs> this was fucking brilliant.
0: Well, and it's just like, there, yeah, Ugh. there's so much happening in this moment. And it's like... There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of hand acting in this season and a lot of moments specifically between Kate and Anthony where, and we'll talk about this more because I have so much to say about their hand movements as we get further on in the (sighs) season, but, the, you know, her putting his hand on her chest and her putting her hand on his and sort of like helping him settle into their heartbeats and you know obviously him flashing back to his father's death but also the panic of something possibly happening to Kate. Uh It is so beautiful and they are so close to just losing it. (sighs) Like actually thank god that horse made a noise. I know. Like thank god the horse interrupted them Because they would have been caught And that would have been a whole just full on mess And it would have ended the se- um, like it At that point yeah, it the would end have just, of the season
1: is kind of over <laughs> Yeah it would have been forced In a
0: completely different and, way But I'm yeah. so glad it was No me
1: was. too I really truly am Like I'm glad that that's how they went I I understand that The reason they had to go The way that they did for the show And honestly Y'all, I will take all of these tense conversations with up-close camera shots and listening to Jonathan Bailey breathing over Regé Jean's (laughs) naked ass to Taylor Swift a hundred times over. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think this, I, we needed this buildup, personally. I, I... Listen, I love love at first sight. I love random sex in libraries. I also like slow burns. Yeah. I think we should have a little bit of, like, variety exactly. in our, you know, Bridget. Yeah, love letter so, to the
1: slow burn. That's what this season is. Yeah.
0: You know, I think it's, it was, it was, it was good. And what I love the most is when they're both kind of snapped back to reality and they rush off in opposite directions. They are like literally having, they're dry heaving. Like know. they're so physically affected by it. It's like.
1: Oh my God, what just happened? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they're both losing their mind. Yeah, minds. exactly. Ah, God, it was so good. The first three episodes were so good. I love them so much. I am so utterly
0: just delighted by where we're going I mean obviously there are some things that I'm I get nervous about right but Kate and Anthony have such in like palpable chemistry that it sells I mean I, everything else could have been hot garbage and I still would have been totally fine because we had Kate and yeah
1: exactly oh uh, I'm so excited to be recapping this I am so excited that this book was made into a tv show like thank you Shonda <laughs> Thank you, yeah. for all of this. Yeah, you know, I was reading, I was reading some articles uh, just about the show, and I found this quote uh, from an Entertainment Weekly article that was written in February, um, that by Maureen Lee Lenker, Um and she had talked to some of the cast members, and Nicola Coughlin had said, you know, it's so gratifying for this show to be a huge success, because because oftentimes the things women are drawn to, people so easily disparage but you should never underestimate a woman. And like every time I read it, I literally get fucking goosebumps because Bridgerton has like for all of its faults and people may call it bonkerton or they, you know, they like everyone thinks it's just this, you know, it has changed the way in which people read romance. It has changed the way people think about romance and like, in in the in the world in which we currently live that is not a bad thing and it has not been like this for so long despite the heroic efforts of so many accomplished women that i yeah. i hope i truly hope that this is just the very first in a long line of absolute Amazing works of fiction that need to be made into TV shows and movies.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we can give Netflix and HBO and Amazon a long list of historical and contemporary Absolutely. romance that would be incredible. I mean, I still, some of my favorite, favorite romances are Nora Efron. And we don't have a lot of that, you know? <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, being adapted. No. And, you know, we can talk to death about the death of that, like, mid-level movie in Hollywood. Yeah. But if Bridgerton can sort of help spark the trend of bringing romance yes. back. And and you know what? For all of Netflix's faults, and <laughs> they haven't, <laughs> um, they are one of the few studios that's trying to also produce and, and distribute romantic comedies. And so... You know, I gotta give him props there. Absolutely. Even though I'd love for them to never give Dave Chappelle any money ever again. I'm just putting it out there. Fair. But yeah, I I love that. I mean, Nicola is just one of the most I mean, she just I could I just love so
1: much. I know, me too. She's just so great. She's just ugh I could go on and on about how much I love her and how much I love the way she plays Penelope and the the humanity that she gives penelope and she elevates that character off of the page to like truly like new heights yeah i mean you know i have a lot
0: of feelings about penelope and the direction they sort of take her in this season but she does it so well like so well she brings so much depth and and yeah i just big fan i know i know Ooh.
1: big Fan. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, we will be back next week with uh, episode four, five, and six. But in the meantime, Daria, would you like to talk about our book of the week?
0: I would love to. So our book of the week is called Weather Girl by Rachel Lynn Solomon. And it's this like really delightful sort of, ooh, it reminds me of um like Parent Trap or It Takes Two and sort of these like, You're going to plot to get someone together. And so the synopsis is Ari Abrams has always been fascinated by the weather and she loves almost everything about her job as a TV meteorologist. Her boss, legendary Seattle weatherwoman Torrance Hale, is too distracted by her tempestuous relationship with her ex-husband, the station's news director, to give Ari the mentorship she wants. Ari, who runs on sunshine and optimism, is at her wit's end only person who seems to understand how she feels is sweet but reserved sports reporter russell berenger so russell and ari team up together to try to get their bosses back together and in the process realize just how attracted uh to each other they are and they sort of fall in love and it's really cute and really funny ari is she's got an incredible personality she's a people pleaser for sure trying to figure out how to please herself and russell is a hot single dad who loves hockey and just worships the ground that Ari walks on and it's really really just fun i think i read it in a day it made me very happy as all romance novels should mm-hmm. i highly recommend highly recommend oh
1: it sounds so good it is next on my list I am very excited.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to love it. And it's it's also fun, too, because both of the leads are Jewish. Russell is a plus-size um, love interest. Like, there's just a lot about the book that covers, you know, folks we don't really get to see in mainstream romance. That's amazing. So it's really nice yeah. to have that kind of diversity. Mm-hmm. And there's just the background. I mean, it's really just beautifully written. I love
1: it. I love it. Highly recommend. Yay! Yeah so excited oh well folks i guess that's it for tonight thank you <laughs> so much for listening if you want to listen to our previous episodes you can find them at www.hotelvicarious.com you can email us all of your thoughts um, on bridgerton and if we're totally off base or not uh, hotelvicarious at gmail.com We also are on socials. Spoilers beware. Uh, There's a ton of spoilers on our socials. So if you haven't seen Bridgerton, uh, we highly recommend that you watch it first before going on our socials. But we are at Hotel Vicarious on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All right.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for hanging in there for two hours and nine minutes. (laughs) Thank you for checking into Hotel Vicarious and we hope you enjoyed your stay.